the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. I'm an American! Whoa. I'm not an animal! That, that, I don't want to be muzzled! You, you have like, no uh, choice when you're listening to this show today but to be right. happy and positive. Well, you're going to have a challenge. Was I low-key faded? Maybe. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go, 3 o'clock hour, Cofield and Company, uh, Ari across the way in the Finley Toyota Studios. It's Cofield, we're going to talk a little UFC, some NBA, some Canadians hockey with uh, Ariel Hawani. In just a little bit, they have a big purchase to get to. Is you know we're talking about the A's visiting again. Maybe one of the intriguing pieces of property the A's could have been looking at. Well, that's gone. We'll tell you about that here in just a couple minutes. It's time for the three presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at eight seven 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 hundred Nova. How about we just tell you about it now? Uh, yeah, Brightline. A company behind the uh, railway concept, I'll call it that, until we get closer. They need a hub here in Las Vegas. This is the train that will supposedly connect Vegas to Victorville and then have a bunch of connectors to get you down to L.A. Well, you know, we got to see the longest part of the trip actually constructed, and that is from here to Victorville. And it looks like the hub, the station, will actually be... On a a big plot of land, I think it's 110 acres, right, to compare the Raiders plot where the Owl was built is 63 acres. So this plot they've bought down near Windmill and LV Boulevard. So they'll be needing to expand LV Boulevard, that for sure, from uh, Town Square, probably all the way down where they can to the South Point. That'll become more of a major thoroughfare uh, south of the Strip proper and south of Town Square, but yeah, train station's going to go there, and uh, that was one of those sites that if the Raiders chose to go off the strip, which I don't know why any pro organization would do that. I'm not sure why the A's are looking at uh, properties off the strip, but you know, a lot of it's cost. So yeah, there's going to be a train station there, and uh, no surprise if you looked at the comments immediately on the report of the property being purchased, all negative. Man, we have... And I'm not saying it's going to happen. And it's one of those things we've been waiting forever. You know, ever since I moved here, and I've been here 26 years, 25 years, there's been a discussion about a train going to L.A. So I understand it's taken a long time. It seems like everything's in place now that, you know, we're out of the pandemic. Uh, the economy's on an upswing to get this done. And they're supposed to get it done relatively quickly. If people use it, I'm not sure. I think some will. We'll see how that, you know, that next part from uh, Victorville to Palmdale down to L.A., how – that's all going to work, but in terms of something good for Las Vegas, if it potentially brings more and more people to town and takes people off the 15, that's a good thing. Uh, speaking of the 15, I was not planning on going anywhere south to California for 4th of July weekend. And for those who did come here, apparently the ride back was a living hell. And I noticed that NHP posted a couple of videos. Uh, you know these jabronis who freaking pull over into the shoulder and then go racing by because, you know, they're, they're too good to wait. The rest of us can sit in line, but you can ride on the shoulder. Uh, they were getting them. They were getting some of them. I don't know if they got all of them, but they were getting some of them. So they had a couple of uh, dash cam vids that they put out on their Twitter account. So I would have loved to see the encounter 
and what the person says in the car. Hey, you know you're driving on the shoulder, right? I was? I mean, what else do you say? Like, you're, sorry, officer, I am a scumbag, and I think I'm better than everyone else, and I'm in too much of a hurry to freaking wait while everyone else can wait and be orderly. So that was good to see over the weekend. Nice job, NHP. Back to blue, right? Doing some good work here. Doing some real good work. Fourth of July celebrations over the weekend. So I had a little get-together. It was cool. Everything was under control. We're, you know, mature adults. It was good. We were safe. Everyone was safe. We had a couple of kids over, which always worries me. We had a couple of spills. Nothing too bad. Nothing too bad. You got to worry when you have a pool. I don't have kids, so I don't want to see some kid cracking his freaking head on the, uh, on the cool decking. Uncle Steve's out there. Everyone slow down. It's wet. Ruining the fun. <laughs> Uh, but my party was not like Michael Rubin's white party. By the way, I found the white party completely obnoxious because I don't look good in white. So I'd be out. I'd have to wear like a baggy white sweatsuit or something. I'd still look like a giant fat ass. Michael Rubin's white party. Ari sends us over. It's got a ton of sports luminaries. A uh, bunch of people from the world of music. Jay-Z. By the way, Rubin owns the 76ers. Jay-Z, Beyonce, Meek Mill, Travis Scott. Meek and uh, and Bobby Kraft are really good buddies. Was Bobby Kraft there? Or was he excluded from this one? I don't see him on the list. They just gave him a Bentley like two weeks ago. Yeah, Jay-Z, Beyonce, Meek Mill, Travis Scott, James Harden, John Bon Jovi. Wow, someone didn't belong there, huh? What happened? All of a sudden, the party got weird. <laughs> Wait a second. Megan Thee Stallion got up on stage? Hello. Hello. You know, the funny thing is, Ari, in the story, you sent over the description of all the uh, important people who are at the party. You missed maybe the most popular person at the party, and it's actually in the slug on TMZ. I have no idea, or I had no idea who this person was until I finally looked it up. It says TikTok star Charlie D'Amelio was getting her groove on as well. Um, there was a clip of the 17th. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. You see why? You see well, why typical. I buried the lead. You didn't say it, did you? Did you even look this girl up? No, uh, well, I I, I mean, scrolled I got to do my research. I got to know who she is. No, I read the whole thing and then I scrolled down and then I was like, okay, that's like weird. And it's weird how they framed it in the story. So I just I left that one off. Yeah, she's got. You've never heard of her before, right? I have heard her name before. I have, I've never. And heard I'm her not before. even a TikTok guy. And like I'm a you, TikTok so. devotee. Yep. But this right here, this is proof. Because what do we complain about all the time? Well, I don't. TikTok has. This algorithm where whatever you watch, you get more of. And so if you watch girls dancing, bouncing around, then you get more girls dancing and bouncing around. And in this case, I guess this 17-year-old is kind of popular. She's got 119 million. She's got 119 million. I think 100. Was it 119 million views or followers? Yeah, I think it's views, which is still a ton. Which is still Unbelievable. I've never heard of her in my life. Hmm. I don't know why I keep making this point. I've never heard of her in my life. Like as if I'm, I'm trying to distance myself from her. Oh, I think TikTok's she was, screwing up the algorithms then. But she was at this party. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Big deal. That's interesting. Seems like a uh, a weird placement at the Michael Rubin party. All in good fun, though, as TMZ states. See, everyone gets a That's little okay. afraid, right? <laughs> 
Yeah, everyone gets scared. All right, Ariel Hawani is going to join us on the way back. UFC expert, independent Ariel, now that he's not with ESPN. And uh, i, I got to be honest, he's actually gone off the deep end. So we're going to find out if he's uh, doing okay from a mental health standpoint. He's scaring me. Nova Home Loans brings you the three. It's a refi raid at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Cofield and Cofield and Company. And the roar of his assault will sunder the dome of heaven to each the years of God himself. The number one ranked eater in the world. The Nathan's famous champion of the world. Yowie Chestnut! Wow, he was good. Wow, he was good. 76 hot dogs, our hero. Joey Chestnut, you know we love competitive eating. We kind of freak out the competitive eaters. Predictable. That's what I would say about Joey Chestnut. Predictable. This next guy, I have no idea what's going to happen. I have no clue. Independent Ariel is something I, I don't think I've seen since uh, the MMA rated days. I don't know. what Ariel, how are you, buddy? First of all, Cofield, it's independent Helwani. Get it right. Helwani mm. unfiltered. It's good to be back. Uh, I feel like it's very interesting, and let's address the elephant in the room right off the bat. <laughs> the elephant? Wow. The... You ha- what? Well, I mean, you've had, you've had me on for the last few months consistently. I mean, I feel like this spot should be uh, sponsored by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. I'm in talks with them. But weirdly oh, right? enough, yeah. you don't have a Montreal guy on a Las Vegas radio, the flagship station of your Golden Knights. Apparently, no one told me that. I'm just assuming you don't have me on when they're playing each other in the playoffs for the first time ever for two weeks. Seems a little weird to me. I wonder why. You know the truth behind that. I reached out to you, and at that yeah. point, it was it was what hashtag vacation Hawani. So I told yeah. you, I'm like, enjoy your vacation. I'm not going to have you take time away from your kids to sit here and talk trash about our Golden Knights. Well, at that point, I think it was game five. It appeared to be fait accompli, of course, winning in six. Uh, it just seemed weird, like, you know, preview the series, game one, game two. I mean, the whole thing was just, it was strange. And now here you are having me on after the big game four victory. I'm sure everyone in Las Vegas, because Las Vegas is such a hockey crazy yes, town. Are. Yes. So locked into the Stanley Cup finals. I'm sure that's all you want to talk about. Yes, yes, yes. We've already moved on to uh, talking about our new train station coming to town here in a couple of years. Uh, first of all, are oh. you are you okay? Because I was watching a video of you you put out the other day. You're like all up on the camera. Then you've got like a fake library behind you. Um, oh. Are you good? No, I'm totally good. I mean, okay. I don't know what you're referring to. Um, I do like to get close to the camera. I like to get yes. intimate. You do. I like to get close uh, <laughs> with the audience. I like to bring them into my world. Uh, by the way, funny story, uh, yes. I didn't know you were such a big MLE, Major League Eating guy, oh in God. a previous life. Before I became an MMA journalist, I actually worked on a few of their shows, and I worked on one actually in old Las Vegas, old town, whatever you, you call it down Downtown. there. that downtown, the decrepit part of town, you know, with all the old stuff. Sure. Uh, I, I, I spent a whole week with Kobayashi and Chestnut wow. and all those guys doing shows for Spike TV. It was, it was quite fun. Back in the day when uh, those guys would actually compete against each other, and then unfortunately the yeah. Shea brothers went kind of Dana White route and didn't want to make the big fight, so uh, we don't get Kobayashi wow. and Chestnut. Wow, look at that zinger. Look at that oh, zinger. Is, what we, does Adam Hill have to say about that? Adam, are you there? Where's uh, Adam? No, Adam Hill. No Adam Hill right now. He's actually uh, he's in and out of the show today because he's working on the UFC event. This is when he can get his interviews. Oh, 
Oh, I see. So he kind of just uses you when things are quiet, and pretty, then he jumps much. back in. Sure, pretty okay. much. When he wants in, he comes in. Uh, you know, if he's busy, then we do the show. We move on without him. So let me, uh, let well, me get got, to... He got the big Instagram plug a few weeks ago. I'm sure you talked all about that. I have no idea what you're talking about. What was the Instagram plug from you? No, from from El, uh, El Presidente, El Head Honcho. Remember when he, when he showed the... Uh, the clip of the newspaper thing, I think. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, Jackson, the Jacksonville show about yeah, uh, everyone yeah. signing up to go and die. Um, <laughs> all right, well, let's get into some uh, – I want to get into the event, but I also want to get into some offbeat stuff around MMA. I'm sure you saw the story today. Uh, what do you think about Dan Lambert, the guy from uh, American Top Team in South Florida? I guess he's going to throw like a half a million at the Hurricanes program, and he's going to do it above board and do it through this uh, NIL stuff. I, well, first of all, it's not surprising. I don't know if you know uh, much about Dan Lambert. Uh, Dan Lambert, the founder and owner of American Top Team, also actually was in talks to buy the UFC many moons ago before the Fertitta brothers. Hmm. This man is uh, very, very, very wealthy. Uh, he doesn't have to do any of this you know, for a living. Uh, I believe he made a lot of his money in the cruise line business and in the real estate business. He's a big uh, U of M guy the you as the kids like to say and so i'm not surprised i mean that doesn't even sound like all that much uh no. for him so not surprised and by the way i don't know how you feel about it i love i mean i hope the college athletes the only thing i feel bad about is that the guys back in the day didn't make this money and didn't have the opportunities to get the sponsorship so i'm all about it it's it's long overdue and so i hope all that money goes to the athletes and not the schools yep i think it's freaking awesome i'm gonna ask you a very basic question so understand why i'm asking it Dustin Poirier beat Conor McGregor. I still feel like people don't know a whole lot about Dustin Poirier among the casuals. So for this audience, can you tell us about Poirier's journey to this point? He got the big win, but the kind of dude he is and you know his reputation around MMA. Yeah, and, and by the way, and I will tell you about that, but uh, just for the audience, if you're bored over the next few days, there's actually a great documentary called Fight Phil. I don't know if you've seen it, Steve. Have you seen Fight Phil? I have not. Okay, so this documentary was made, oh gosh, maybe 10, 12 years ago, and it was about the Louisiana fight scene and the amateur fight scene, and it was just like a documentarian who went to a couple of gyms and decided, oh, I'll follow this guy, that guy, this guy. Just so happened that one of those guys, Dustin Poirier, and so, and, and this, this documentary is available anywhere, Apple, whatever, and you get to see him in his like very, very early days, and it's a fascinating look at a guy who's now become one of the best fighters in the world in his humble beginnings. But uh, Dustin Poirier is a, is a young man who had a bit of a troubled youth in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, found fighting, lost a ton of weight, then got into fighting, you know, found out that he was pretty good at it, um, really made a name for himself in the WEC, the World Extreme Cage Fighting Organization. And, uh, you know, once he got to the UFC, once the UFC and WC merged, it was owned by Zufa for quite some time, you know, was known as the guy who would win a bunch, get to the top of the mountain, so to speak, but then stumble, get to a number one contender fight, get to a title fight, stumble, stumble, stumble. Um, but over the last couple of years, he's really come into his own as one of the best lightweights. He's beaten all the top guys, except for Khabib Nurmagomedov. He had this fight against Conor McGregor, the first fight back at UFC 178, uh, around seven or so years ago and lost in around a minute and a half, and that loss crushed him. He talked a lot going into the fight and really had to find himself and work his confidence back up and all this stuff, and he's come a very long way since then. Uh, and, of course, they met in January. He beat Connor and, uh, you know, gave him the rematch, because, or the trilogy fight, I should say, because fighting Connor is bigger than fighting for any belt in the UFC. Uh, so he's a very likable guy. He's a guy who took the long road. He's a guy who's paid his dues 
And in addition to all of that, he's a guy who is uh, very charitable and very philanthropic. He has a, a foundation called the Good Fight Foundation that he runs with his wife, Sholi, and they do a ton of great things for their community in Lafayette. And it usually centers around his, around his fights where he'll, like, donate his gear and then, you know, raise a ton of money for the community. So hard to root against someone like Dustin. What was this video today that got released? A, a sparring session, and I guess Colby Covington thought he had something? Yeah, I guess Kobe, well, Kobe Covington and him aren't the best of friends. Right. They both used to be at American Top Team, um, the, the gym that we were just talking about, and, and Kobe was asked to leave after things got a little bit dicey between him and Jorge Masvidal. And so he showed this video that he thought was going to expose the fact that Dustin is some sort of scumbag because Dustin is wearing headgear and all this stuff in a sparring match against a younger guy and everyone's reaction, and most importantly, not just the reaction of people like me, but fighters are like, yeah, this is what happens in every gym leading up to every fight. Of course, the guy with the big-time fight is going to wear headgear, doesn't want to get cut, doesn't want to get like an accidental headbutt or something like that. And, uh, yeah, of course, he's going to be going strong in sparring. So this feels like much ado about nothing, and I tend to agree. I'm glad you uh, threw cold water all over it. How much money is Poirier going to make in this fight? That's a great question. As you know, Steve, they don't make this stuff uh, public, and so it's always very hard to uh, to truly know what everyone's making, including Connor. Like they'll come out on Saturday, you know, you know, a journalist will come out and say, "Oh, you know, Connor made two million, and it's nowhere near two million, and everyone will run with it. I don't know why they do. I never acknowledge it because it's nonsense. Connor's making well over two million, probably in the, you know, I don't know. 15, 20, 30 million category. Ooh, I, I thought I thought uh, Connor I thought Connor would make more than that. I was hoping that Poirier was making like ten and Connor was making like fifty. <laughs> Stop. You know better than no, that. No, no. I'm actually I I didn't know, I don't know how, how I don't know how high uh, Connor McGregor is now with all the pay per view stuff and discretionary income. So you're you're telling us it's good, but it's not like boxing good. Uh, well, you, you know, he'll he'll make more on the back end of the pay per view and he'll make with sponsors and stuff. But as, as far as his like actual pay from the UFC. No, it's it's not boxing good. It's not what he made against Floyd. Uh, but it's still, I mean, it's still the most by far of any MMA fighter. Dustin, I feel confident saying, will make in the seven figures, but I don't think oh my he's God. anywhere near. Yeah, why? Is that, does that surprise you? Yes, he should be. He, he, he's getting back in there with the most marketable guy in all of fight oh, sports. Sure. He should be making yeah, a ton. You know, he should be making eight, I mean, eight, ten, twelve million dollars. They're all underpaid, including Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor, yeah. if Conor McGregor gets paid $40 million for this fight, he is grossly underpaid. Right. If Dustin's making $5 million for this fight, he is grossly underpaid, and we could go down the line to Francis Ngannou, to Kamaru Usman, to Israel Adesanya. They're all underpaid. We, we know this. Well, let, let's build on this with Conor, because uh, I think it's the easy thing to go to, and I'm a low-hanging fruit guy. Uh, with Conor making as much money as he does, and he just sold out of his proper whiskey thing, all right, or I think for like hundreds of millions of dollars, I didn't think he looked right in the first first matchup. You're very close to Camp Connor. Like, is he revitalized? Is he going to be motivated? Am I ridiculous for saying he didn't look right in the first fight in terms of his drive? And he looked a little puffy to me. Okay, so just to be clear, when you're saying the first fight, do you mean the second fight you're in right. January? You're right. The second okay. fight, the one that he lost. Right, gotcha. Um, uh, I don't think he looked puffy. I mean, look, the first time they fought uh, back at UFC 178, that was at 145. So right. if you're trying to do like the eye test, I mean, not, it's just 10 pounds, but there's a bit of a difference. Um, I think the biggest difference in this particular fight, the last one that just happened back in January, was his stance. 
There was a lot of talk about the boxing stance, the fact that he was training with his old boxing coach. Mm. And I think you know that, you know, boxing training and, and, and that type of footwork and that type of movement, that kind of stance, doesn't necessarily translate well into MMA. You're not as quick on your feet. You're not as spry. I mean, he has been known for his, you know, his open karate stance, and he's bouncing on his feet, and he's very active, very mobile, and he wasn't really showing that. And, of course, his, uh, his lead leg got, you know, Got, got killed in the uh, second fight. Um, it could still get battered and bruised, and I'm sure Dustin's going to try to attack it. But I think what people are hoping is that he'd be a little more, you know, agile, a little more quick, and that he will avoid that and check that properly. But I think we're really going to get a sense for who's going to win this fight in the first round. Uh, of course, the first fight was won in the first round. The second fight was won in the second round. Um, Connor started off the second fight well, but then towards the end of the second uh, of the first round of the second fight it wasn't looking good for him. And I think we're going to get a sense in the first round who's looking better, who's fresher, whose game plan is better, all that stuff and more. He's the unpredictable Ariel Hawani, un- unpredictable yeah. Johnny Rods. I don't know what the hell is going on. You come into these interviews, like we, we could be composed. You could be taking shots at us. You could be calling well, that's the thing. Vegas that's o- the thing. old crappy Vegas. It's weird. Eh, well, you know, it's just like when you think you have all the answers, Cofield, yes. I changed the questions on you. I mean, what a series it was. <laughs> you guys were so brash. You were so pompous. I mean, you completely ignored the Golden Knights thing. We My are. Montreal Canadiens, yeah. and I have to admit, I mean, for a Montreal guy who, as you know, has had his battles with the city of Las Vegas or perhaps people there, I got to say, that one felt sweet, my friend. I mean, man, for, for you guys to just completely, because you know what the narrative was. Oh, down 3-1 to Toronto, no chance. Okay, fine, you got over that one. Toronto sucks. No chance to beat Winnipeg. Okay, now you got out of Canada. They're going to smoke you. You're going to get swept by Vegas, and look what happens. And, and, and now we're, we're en route, and I hope you start watching. You're about to see the greatest comeback in the history of the Stanley Cup Finals. Down 3 nothing to the Big Bad Lightning, and, and tabs in 7. I'll, and you guys I'll, will be a part of our story. I'll book that bet for you. You want to you take it? It's, uh, you yeah, have with MGM? You have... No. <laughs> I said I'll book the bet. It's 12-1. to 1. You can get 12-1 to 1 on the Canadians if they come back and win the series. I'll book it. Is that true? Can yeah. you really... Can you really... I feel like well, not legally actually... I can't. Not legally I can't. But I don't know. You, I'm not gonna. I'm not yeah. gonna take a bet at like five thousand. You're a rich guy. You know. You want to do like a hundred bucks on it? Uh, I'll, I'll well, make. I, I'll, you, I'll, I just I'll, heard you talking about BetMGM. Like we can't make this official. Well, I mean, I can. I, yeah, I can put the money in for you, but it's more fun if it's head to head. If 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 I have something at risk. Okay, so what do you have at risk? I, I have twelve hundred dollars at risk because I'm going to pay your bet. You bet a hundred bucks oh. on the Canadians, <laughs> and you know what? You can. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll try to think of something goofy. That you have to pay me back with. It won't even be, I, listen, it won't even I be cash. I don't want to take, listen, I don't want to take your money. Beating the You're not going to win at seven. You're not going to take my money. <laughs> I may simply ask for like a eight by 10 glossy autographed by you. Listen, it was, it was, it was such a nice thing. I mean, it was so cute. The little thing that you guys did at the game, you had Celine Dion show up in the jersey. You thought it would be a shot. <laughs> so it was cute. so petty. It was so cute. Uh, it was so, beautiful. Look, I did, loved did it. you see, she, she like, I'm not going to say she freaked out, but she had to send out a message like, relax, uh, it's not, uh, I didn't know anything about that. It was a very touchy yeah, subject right. with Celine. Well, I mean, come on. This is, I mean, like, what would this be akin to? Uh, you know, someone born in New York who's, you know, associated with the Yankees all of a sudden is showing up in another team's jersey. And I'm not even going to say the Red Sox because that would be insulting to the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry. There is no Golden Knights-Canadians rivalry, but you just kind of show up with like an expansion team's jersey. I mean, it, it was ridiculous. I can't believe she actually or her handlers let her do that. I mean, she's 
or was royalty in Quebec, and, and all of a sudden you do this sort of thing. But look, the good news is hopefully next year they go back to the traditional East-West, and you guys don't have to face the Canadians ever again in the playoffs. Of course, if you make it back to the Stanley Cup final, we can deal with that. How do you think Marc-Andre Fleury is feeling about that blunder? I mean, do you think that's going to haunt him for the rest of his days, or do you think he'll be okay with it? I think he'll be okay. All right. What do you think? He had a, he had a major blunder when he was a uh, kid for uh, Team yep. Canada that they never let him uh, let go of. Yep. I mean, that was a big one, and then yeah. I think that uh, benching in the next game, and then they won that game. I mean, uh, this, this one is going to sting, no doubt about it. Um, yeah. And, you know, the social media, the Vegas social media, I hope they're listening, they're very cute with the, the comments and whatnot, but I think it was so quiet after game six. It was just such a shame. Um, Can you know, I get, look, hold on a second. <laughs> I wanna, I'll talk Golden Knights and Canadians anytime with you, but I, I'm, not, I'm, not done. Like... <laughs> I'm not done with UFC. Hold on. So we got UFC right, 264 right. here in town. Uh, giant night. You got the Connor fight at the Fortress, and then you've got 65,000 right down the road at our football stadium with uh, with Garth Brooks. I, I got to finish up on Connor. You're close to you Camp really Connor. You really call it the Fortress, like with, yes. a, with like like with a, like a serious look on your face, or is that like a wink, wink? You're joking. Like, is that an actual thing that you guys are calling it now? Well, that's what they call it. Yeah. Or like like we know MSC is the mecca and all that, but like the Fortress is a real name. That's the Fortress is a real name. Yes. I'd be embarrassed, and and I I, I don't get paid by T-Mobile, so I limit the mentions. I, I, ah, I, I okay, well, there, I can't, now I keep, it makes sense. I, I would track be embarrassed, stuff. but now it makes sense. Now I would be embarrassed. All right, look now, people are calling up. They're like, "What's going on here?" Um, so we got the Bring event. Go- we got we got the event going down. I I didn't get to finish off the the whole issue of Connor's rich as you know what. What drives him now? Why why does he care about this fight? Well, it's, uh, it reminds me of that famous line from the great, the late great Marvin Hagler, marvelous Marvin Hagler. Remember that line about uh, it's hard to pound the pavement at 5 a.m. when you're waking up in satin sheets? Yeah. And I think he's gone through that over the last couple of years historically. This isn't a Conor McGregor thing. I think it's a fighting thing. Like you work your way up. You know, Tyson, they all dealt with it. And then all of a sudden you become this megastar, this household name. You got all the money in the world, all the fame in the world, all the endorsements. And then you kind of lose a little bit on your fastball. I think this one is personal for him. I think it became even more personal with the whole charity donation thing that you may have seen where, you know, Connor felt like uh, Dustin wasn't uh, playing above board. And, and then it became even more personal. And I think he just wants to exact revenge. At the end of the day, Connor isn't a 40 year old guy trying to hang on to some, you know, past glory. He's still 32, turning 33 next week. And for the most part, hasn't taken a ton of damage to the head. He's, he's all there. And I think the big difference going into this fight as opposed to the last two fights is that the last two fights, as you may have noticed, it was almost like he was this dignitary, bigger than the game, bigger than the sport, coming to bestow the honor of fighting him upon his opponent. Now it feels a little bit from the outside looking in like he's coming to take someone's head off, like it's the Connor of 2014, 2015 that everyone fell in love with, that he's coming to prove a point as opposed to just being there to smile and exchange gifts. So Connor's the biggest name in the sport, Ariel, but uh, to me, the biggest fight because of the intrigue and the star power and their heavyweights is in Ganu and Jones. All right, where are we? Are we going to get this fight or not? <laughs> well, it's funny that you made that mention uh, earlier in the interview, you know. The UFC always used to pride itself on making the biggest fight. Yep. Uh, and now the track record isn't so great. It, it, you know, even going back to GSP and Anderson Silva, and then you know John Jones now, and 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 I mean the list goes on. Like Connor and and Nate three. Why did that? Have? Connor Khabib uh, two. All that stuff. So anyway, um, 
it's not in the cards anytime soon. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see John for the rest of the year. And, of course, the last time we saw him was February of last year. Man. So we're approaching almost two years now without John Jones. Uh, you know that Derek Lewis is fighting Cyril Gunn for the interim title on August 7th. <laughs> it's a crazy thing. The only reason they're making that fight is because they had this Houston date, and they wanted the Houston guy headlining it. They couldn't get Ngannou, so they're creating a belt, which I think really is a shame and devalues the, the actual heavyweight title. And then, hopefully, you want to you wanna have a guy who wins the interim title unify the belt, right? Because you don't have two belts out there. So now you have to do the winner of that fight versus Francis. Oh, God. And then the winner of that fight would hopefully fight John Jones. But, like, it's not like these heavyweights are fighting every month. So it really delays things. It's unfortunate. The only curveball to all this is that they somehow say, hey, let's do Stipe versus John Jones. I think that would be a mistake. I think the money fight is John fighting for the belt. But, you know, maybe they just decide one day that they want to make that fight and get him back in there sooner than later. So a lot of people are mad at Dana White. You started talking like two weeks ago, a week ago, last week. I don't know. You went uh, unhinged. It was good stuff. But who is this GM guy who, who might be the heavy in a lot of these negotiations? You know who he is. I love when you act um, uh, copio just to get me in trouble. And, and by the way, a lot of people were saying like, oh, look at you, unhinged, independent. <laughs> it, what a crazy world that we live in. Like, imagine... Me saying, hey, guess what? Leon Rose is the guy who actually does the deals for the Knicks, not <laughs> Scott Perry. Like, would that be even anything? Or would that even, like, well, no like, one would you know, get laughed at? You know it's different in MMA because people assume, like, Dane is involved in everything, and, he, you know, he's, he's yeah. the guy who's the badass. And you're saying, hey, he's got other people in the organization who deal with stuff of like course. this and can be the bad guy. Look, I, I guess it's taking for granted the fact that, you know, I know the sausage is made. Of course, like, if anyone thinks that Dana's the only guy cutting all these deals, you're crazy. I mean, there's 500 fighters under contract. But to get to your question, uh, there's a young man named Hunter Campbell, who is the chief business officer of the UFC. He came in after the sale. Uh, his father, a longtime lawyer of the Fertitta family, and has also worked with Dana White, not trying to necessarily paint him into a good guy, bad guy, anything, just trying to explain to people, because I saw a lot of people say, here I am defending Dana White's honor and trying to let people know, hey, he, more often than not these days, I would say 99.9% of the time, isn't the one doing these deals anymore. It's Hunter Campbell, who I would equate him to like a general manager or a, a, a president of basketball operations in the NBA, who is making these deals. And um, his MO, as I said, over the last couple of years has been to say, hey, champion, you don't want to fight? I'm either stripping you or instituting an interim title. Yeah. He has done this a lot. Now, more often than not, the stripping never happens. A couple times the interim belt has happened, and this was that case. And that's what happened. I confirmed it. It's exactly what happened. Hey, Francis, you're not going to fight on August 7th. We're making an interim title fight. And so I just want to let people know, like, hey, this is actually what goes on behind the scenes. There's kind of a good cop, bad cop thing brewing over there. Uh, I've only talked to him once via text. Tried to reach out, but haven't gotten a reply. Good stuff. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Solid reporting. Last one. Ariel spent all his time with us. Uh, give me a pick for the NBA Finals. What's going to happen? Well, Habs in seven. We've already okay. uh, established all right, that. We'll take the bet. And uh, you know, you know, I, I'm not a guy who likes to bet on my own teams. Okay, right. bad uh, juju. Uh, Suns. If Giannis isn't playing, Come on, it's be tough. And even you, you, you should hey. be working in the NBA. You got to have a pick ready to go. I'm going, guys. Suns in five. Suns in five. All right. How about that? What a I, story. Huh? I like Chris this. Paul? Yep. I mean, it is. What a story. It is a great story. Uh, next time you're on, we'll get you uh, all the dirt 
on uh, Rachel Nichols, so you can give that to us. That was a joke. No comment. That was a joke. Bye-bye. That was a joke. I mean, what are you, Steve? You're trying to get me in trouble? You're an ESPN radio affiliate. You can't be talking about this stuff. Uh, yeah, you'd, you'd be surprised. Uh, Ariel, what oh. do you want to promote? Where are you working? Where can people find your stuff? I know you're uh, oh, uh, amassing, you. amassing a ton of different jobs, so what do we want to hit? Well, uh, I'll just say that Friday during the official weigh-ins, I'm going to be on this new uh, platform from Spotify called Green Room that they just launched. Ooh. It's kind of like Twitter Spaces or uh, Clubhouse. Uh, myself and two of my colleagues will be on during the official weigh-ins, and that will get turned into a podcast. But here's what I'm really excited about. The second the main event ends on Saturday, we're going to be on this app called Green Room, owned and operated by Spotify, live, taking calls, and then that gets turned into a podcast. So if you go to bed Sunday morning, it'll be in your feed. Go check that out, and I'll be back doing like the full-time stuff in August. Nothing better than uh, fight post-fight with phone calls, yes, right? you know about it. Yeah, you, I mean, you were one of the... Pioneers, I feel like you should still be doing it. There's, no, I've I've talked to so many people in radio about this over the years. Why isn't there more MMA post fight shows? Because the, the the energy, the emotion is off the charts, yep. and no one has really jumped on it. Ariel, we appreciate it. We're looking forward to seeing your stuff this weekend. Okay. Good to talk to you, Steve. Thanks. There is Ariel Wani. We'll come back. We got Q Myers in studio. Too much going on. Too much going. You know, you see what happened there? I finally turned it on him. Like, the last time he came out with us, he's, like, screaming and yelling. I'm like, dude, we got to get out of here. This time, I just started screaming at him so he'd freak out. Worked. Visit LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. Now, back to Cofield and Company. All right, rolling on Cofield and Company, good spot there with Ariel Hawani. When you know, all ball busting aside, uh, we're glad he's doing well, and he's gone from ESPN, and now he's going to be bouncing around doing a bunch of stuff. So make sure you check out that Spotify uh, dealio, the green room that he was talking about. I hope I got that right. Uh, <laughs> post fight for the fight is awesome, and Ariel and I used to do a post fight going way back, and he always it's like the bonus, the bonus hits for the jewelers, the jewelers of Las Vegas, a very fine sponsors. Back in the day, that was a long time ago, but. Uh, yeah, remember, uh, by the way, Q Myers is in the studio, so Q and I could sit here and talk shop, uh, radio shop forever, and I'm sure we will moving forward. Um, radio's not easy to get sponsored at times, and uh, years and years and years ago, we're talking like uh, 2006, 7, and 8, we used to do, we do a lot of road trips mm-hmm. covering UFC and post right. fights, Yeah, and like back then, it was a freaking outlaw sport. Right. Like, I remember reaching out to people for advertising, they're like, we're not... That blood sport, that's disgusting. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to back. Who that. would back that up? Well, look at it now, right? Everybody. Yeah. Now, now it's been mainstreamed, and yep. everyone's fine with it. So, uh, Q is usually with us from Waco. Q does a daily show in Texas, or he did. Um, he does a Locked On Raiders podcast. He does Locked On Bets for uh, David Locke's Locked On Network. Well, he's now part of our staff. It's awesome, which is really cool. I know you've been looking to come out here. For the longest time, you know, explain your background and Q's going to be doing the two o'clock show now on uh, Raider Nation Radio every day, Monday to Friday, two to four. So that's really big for Raider Nation Radio. Yeah, no, I'm excited, Steve. And thank you for having me in studio a little earlier than I expected to be on here <laughs> in, uh, in, in in 702 in the 702. But uh, excited to be here, man. And, and originally just a, a guy from the Bay Area, you know, a guy from the Bay Area that loves sports and really kind of 
kind of uh, adapted to sports talk radio, not really on the radio, but really in the barbershop. You know, I mean, that's where all the real good arguments go down, right? In the barbershop, which, by the way, I'm looking for a barbershop. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you for the update. By the way, I, I do you, need to find one. Every every time I talk to Q off the air for the last two months, he, that was one of the first things he said. He's like, he's like I'm going to get there, and i got to find a barber. I'm like, okay. Yes, right, that right. is one. Of, I've asked about five or six different people right. already, and I've only been in town since Sunday. Where am I going to get my haircut at? And you can see, you can look across the studio and see that it's a few days away from needing to get taken care Des- of. Desperation so, time? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, that, that's what I'm working on. But, uh, yeah, man, I, I'm so excited to be here and be part of this staff and a uh, great team here. And I've uh, been trying to get in here for a very long time. I want to say five, six years. Uh, I mean, from everybody. I think I've hit up everybody like, hey, man, you, you need a guy? <laughs> you need a guy? And, and, and this is the beauty, beautiful thing, man. Radio is an awesome business. It really is. If you get in with the great, great staff and, and great people, you could do some beautiful things. And, and radio's taking me some places, Super Bowls, drafts, things I never thought I'd go to. I never thought I'd go to Nashville. I ended up in Nashville for the draft. You know, it's just it's unbelievable. And so now radio is taking me to Las Vegas. And so I'm here with you guys. And, uh, you know, I always love coming on with you guys and doing the radio, radio, radio hit every week. And now I get to come in here in studio and do the radio hit with you. So I'm excited, man. Yeah, Q Meyer is going to be on every day. When are you going to start on uh, Monday uh, right. on the twelfth? Yeah, two to four. <laughs> quick so, turnaround. Hey, right. man. Well, you want to talk about a quick turnaround? I, I'm trying to find a place to live right now, and then I'm flying out to Texas on Friday morning, and then I got to uh, I got to get a U-Haul and turn back around and drive another eighteen hours to get back oh my here. God. How bad was the drive this time? It wasn't too bad because it was my car, and I, I I think I drove all the way to Albuquerque, and then I decided I was going to shut it on down for the night and take a take a nap and, and get a hotel room and then finish off the drive. But driving back in a U-Haul with I, a I've wife and a teenager, can you I, imagine that? Well, I've done. I, I haven't done the, the wife and the, the uh, teenager. Um, <laughs> I did drive. I, did, I think I did twice, uh, at least twice uh, cross country. I, I did a U-Haul with a car. I was dragging a car. Oh behind yeah, it. I got to take a car too. I got to bring yeah. the wife's car. Yeah. So. so I had the car. I was dragging the car in a trailer uh, behind it. Yes. And on the way to the East Coast, because I was going to Charlotte. Oh wow. Uh, the trailer actually got a flat tire. In really? Yeah. Oh, now that's I, call, in the back I remember of my calling head. up the guy there, and I was like, <laughs> I don't think I'm coming. I was like, I was just like, I was so annoyed. Oh He's like, man. You're coming. Relax. Now Relax. that's now that's going to be in the back of my head anytime. You know when you run over something <laughs> on the road and you get a little <laughs> weird feeling in your tire? Is, is my tire flat? Now, now that I know that in my mind consciously, I'm be like, "Oh, this is what happened to Steve." Uh, you have family here. I do. My mom. She lives in Henderson, and uh, she's actually assisting me right now, trying to help me find a place to live. And so uh, she's like, "I don't know if you're going to get in by Friday." And I was like, "Well, that's well, we got to do it. <laughs> we got to do it." So yeah, my mom's been here for quite a while. She's a uh, she was a Bay Area native as well. She worked at Bart, uh, the, the uh, train, you know, the Bart train station uh, mm-hmm. back in the Bay, and uh, retired here. And so she's been here for a long time, and never knew why she was staying here. And now uh, I'm here, so I guess it makes sense. Q Myers is with us. Um, so I know you were, uh, you had some meetings today. You were talking to some Raiders. Um, I wanted to mention Darren Waller real quick. Yeah. Cause, uh, you know, while we've seen, not that it wasn't like George Kittle said, Tebow sucks. He's not coming to my camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's been a little pushback on Tebow. And I liked what Waller said over the weekend. Across like, the league, there's been pushback oh, yeah, on Tebow. But I, I like Waller's just like, yeah, if, he, if the guy wants help, right. I'll help him. I thought that was cool. I, I really did. And especially. When you think about Darren Waller and his story and, and where he was on the practice squad with the Ravens and didn't even wasn't even playing and Greg Olson and John Gruden kind of saw him as they were warming up against the Raiders and said, I think that guy could be something special and gave him an opportunity. Like that's that's I think that's why he looks at Tebow or looks at anyone and says, Hey, if that guy needs an opportunity and needs someone to lean on and maybe get a little advice from, why not, man? Because someone took a, a chance on me when I had multiple chances that I threw out the door, <laughs> and now all of a sudden, here I am, arrived one of the best top three tight ends in the league, no doubt about it, and 
and, and now he's he's willing to give that knowledge to someone else. I think that's really cool. How fired up are you to get to cover the Raiders oh, on the ground? Because oh, you've done man. it from a distance, you know, for so long now. You're here. You'll be around them. I'm so fired up. I drove by the the practice facility on on the Fourth of July, Al Davis's birthday, and I just took a picture of the torch. And I just, hey, the torch is flying on Al's birthday. And I mean, Twitter just, you know, just went crazy. And Twitter's normally, I call it the cesspool. That was good Twitter. That was good. Like, oh, that's awesome, great man. Can't wait to hear what you think about the facility and being around the team. And you know, so all that's so exciting. And and I mean, it's. I told you know the folks back in Texas. I said, man, there's nothing personal. This is a dream job. This is a dream come true to be able to be here, cover a team that I grew up, you know, arguing and fighting for in the barbershop and being able to do it from an objective point of view, of course, but still being able to be around UNLV. Uh, I had some great experiences. My dad took me to uh, Vegas when I was a youngster and really funny, quick story. He, he took me here. Uh, I think I was about 17 and he went, took me to a makeup artist, a professional makeup artist, and I put a fake beard on and everything. <laughs> He, he did it up, right? He had a fake beard on, and, and I was like, I, I don't know if this is going to work, Dad. And he's like, no, trust me. And so he played played some, uh, some some poker, won some money. He was like, go cash these chips in. I said, all right, I'm going to go for it. And it worked, right? It was good. <laughs> so I was, I was the man, right? I thought I was, everything was great. Then I went to a spot, and I think it was in the mall, but I'm not sure, and they were playing basketball. So I thought I was a big-time basketball stud at that time. So I was like, oh, I, I'm going to get in there too. Well, I started playing. I started sweating. <laughs> So then my beard started coming off, and so oh, then I'm, no. trying, I'm trying to eat dinner later, and I got little beard pieces falling off. So I'm frustrated. I'm mad. I was like, "Take this stuff off of me! I hate this stuff." But it was it was great while it lasted. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Q Myers with us. He's now part of the staff. He's going to be on uh, Raider Nation Radio every day, two o'clock. He's here in town. It'll be a two to four show on R and R nine twenty. When you and I talk on Tuesdays, we chat about everything. Everything. So I wanted to bring in, this is not an easy topic, and we're going to see where this goes uh, with, you know, the situation. Yeah. Uh, I don't care where it goes here. We'll, we tackle stuff like this. Uh, Rachel Nichols got herself in some hot water. It's a, it's a weird deal because she thought, you know, she wasn't speaking publicly, but right. got to watch what you say. Right. So basically Rachel Nichols was uh, complaining. She's a, you know, one of the uh, women who covers the NBA, a high level the uh, host and reporter for ESPN, and she was saying that she thought Maria Taylor, younger lady, right. was advancing past her, and it was basically because ESPN's had a horrible history with mm-hmm. diversity. Well, right. this has gone over like a lead balloon. People are really pissed off. So she pops on and gives an apology, and then Ari and I are watching this. We're like, wait, this is a little bit weird. Right. Kendrick Perkins is there. Right. Richard Jefferson is there. Here's Rachel Nichols with the apology. So the first thing they teach you in journalism school is don't be the story. And I don't plan to break that rule today or distract from a fantastic finals. But I also don't want to let this moment pass without saying how much I respect, how much I value our colleagues here at ESPN, how deeply, deeply sorry I am for disappointing those I hurt, particularly Maria Taylor, and how grateful I am to be part of this outstanding team. All right. Well, I'll just say this on diversity in media. Right. It does suck. Oh, yeah. Um, and I I hear and see stuff like this all the time uh, where people feel like they're not getting a gig mm-hmm. and then they immediately turn to the excuse game. It's weak. Right. It's, it's totally weak. Um, I don't believe I don't, you know what I was I was thinking about it driving in. I, I honestly can't name I don't think I could name five people in the media who are irreplaceable. Right. But it's funny, there are 
hundreds who feel like they are. Of like course. they're so great. Of course. No, there's no way another person could advance past me or get the job over right. me. And part of it is this is an ego driven gig. Right. So that's fine to be confident. But none of us are that good where the first thing you turn to is, oh, must be a diversity hiring. Right. That's why I got passed by for this. Which is terrible, which is a terrible thing to say. You know, how come Maria Taylor just can't be super talented? Which she is. She is. You know, she's super, super talented. And Rachel Nichols, to her credit, is very talented as well. I hate this on so many levels, and I feel like there's so many layers of this story that we can unpeel. It's almost like going through an onion, just layer after layer after layer. I mean, again, like you mentioned, she didn't know that she was being recorded. You know, she didn't know that her mic was still on or her camera feed was still on. She didn't know that there was someone at ESPN that was going to take it and cut it up and feed it out there. I mean, you know, there were so many different things that were going on. And then for her to have to come all the way full circle and have to apologize. And then she has two bodyguards beside her. Kendrick yeah, Perkins you, and Richard Jefferson almost like, okay, we're 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 saying that she's cool. She has this, black this, friends. This white lady's cool. <laughs> yeah, she has black friends. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what yeah. that felt like. It felt like the old story. Oh, I got black friends. <laughs> you know, here they are right here, Kendrick Perkins and and uh Richard Jefferson. So I hate it on so many levels. Maria Taylor is very talented. Uh she's done great in her career at everything she does. And Richard Rachel Nichols has been the 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 end all be all. She's been that for the basketball for ESPN for a long time. It's just it's terrible that this has had to come to what it is. Well, Rachel, I want to say thank you. Thank you for accepting responsibility for your actions. You know, as someone that has known you for a long time, you know, being around you, you have treated me with the utmost respect, and you always made me feel comfortable in your presence. Um, and I know your heart. You know, great person, great individual. Um, I also know Maria Taylor, um, great person as well, very, very talented, hardworking, and I feel like she also deserves every opportunity that is presented her way. My only hope is that we have a commitment overall to support each other through this process and continue to support each other through our journey. You're shaking your head. It's just, it's so unnecessary. Yeah. Like he had more of an explanation and an apology and, you know, uh, an answer than she did. L listen, to, listen to Richard Jefferson. Right. He went on for like a minute. Yes. I agree with Perk. Let me first say this. I fully support Maria Taylor. I've worked with her since I joined ESPN at Get Up and Countdown, and I I've known Rachel for 20 years. Rachel and our entire group pair have had some very difficult conversations over this time period, uh, and those conversations don't end here. We will continue to have uncomfortable conversations. No one ex is excused. She is not excused. I am not excused, Perk. Uh, this doesn't just go away, but we have to learn and understand it and become better for each other. Uh, and, and really through our actions more than anything. And, and that is our responsibility. And we all have a role in that. And that's something that I, I take pride in. And I hold to myself and everyone to a very high standard. Well, thank you guys both for being with me here today. There you go. Rachel Nichols with Kendrick Perkins. <laughs> I'll, I'll give the outro. <laughs> Thanks for being here, fellas. Thanks for having my back. Like you had a choice. Gave me a hood pass. Like we didn't set this up behind the scenes. That's that's uh, what I didn't like with the apology was yeah. that those two guys were there. They, yeah. It was unnecessary. Come out and apologize, fine. But those those guys didn't need to say a word. And as is so often the case in these situations, um, the female on female crime right. is also a big thing. Yeah, it is. Like, it is. You should stick together. And she said that too in, in her part of her her apology when she was talking about Maria Taylor's talent. And she said, uh, you know, well, or not in the apology in the in the original recording, saying that you know, well, ESPN has a big diversity issue. I know too. I'm a female. Like she almost right. tried to right. justify it. It's like, wait, hold on, you don't have an out. You know, but then she couldn't be, get past the fact that you know, right. there are other people as good as her. By it, the way, Malika Andrews is now replacing her on the sidelines. Right, so exactly. She's out of the NBA finals. And she's so. talented too. Yeah. You know, they have a really good staff there, but.
I don't know. It's a terrible situation that that didn't need to go where it's it's been. And this apology thing was terrible. Uh, I don't know who planned this out, but they I, they can't plan out my crisis because I think I'll do better on my own. <laughs> so Q is here with us. He's part of the staff. Freaking awesome. Uh, we've got a sign up board. Uh, in our break room, you're going to become very familiar with our break room. I like to talk about it all the time. It used to be a convenience store, but we had some problems. Um, there is a sign-up board. It's a help Q move sign-up board. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> so uh, right now it's it's empty, but I would think like one of the first names that should go on there would be Ari. Absolutely, without a doubt. Yeah, I'm old. I, I mean, I, I, think I hurt my back drinking this weekend. He wouldn't even oh, help God. me get through the front door. I was trying to get through the front door, and Ari was like, "Oh, uh, go. failure number one." I don't know, dude. <laughs> I, like, I really don't know, man. I mean, you look all right, but I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. Maybe we'll do this again next week. I follow the rules all the time. Yeah. Well, we have we have our intense uh, COVID rules. Uh, <laughs> how much stuff are you bringing? Uh, not much. I sold a lot. I sold. I sold a ton. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to break my back again. You know. We're not doing all that. So I'm surprised uh, that we actually have enough to fill up a U-Haul. But we got. We got about one U-Haul stuff of clothes and you know uh, all my equipment for radio shows and and podcasts and everything. I need that. That's the most important stuff. You know. That's more important than you know the kid. The kid will be fine by by herself. (laughs) I just need to have my podcast material and everything. I got to do my. Got to do my radio shows, man. That's. Uh, next Monday, Q's on the air. Yes. Uh, we got a, a 2 o'clock show again. It's on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm sure Q will be uh, on our show uh, often. I don't know if we're going to do our regular Tuesday spot. Probably not because you're going to be on the air against us. And we know we got a, a rival across the way. <laughs> but uh, we're really fired up. The Q's on the staff. Uh, really great hire. And he's got a he, – this guy – Listen, man, I, I personally, I love to work with people who have, like, high-level work ethic. Yes. It's never enough. This guy's got drive. He's doing shows all the time. So I think you're going to be awesome. I, I, think it, I think this is – someone was texting me today. They're like, hey, what, what's, what do you think about this this new guy? This, you know? And, yeah. by the way, Q is running the staff. He's a program director, too. So it's an important position. Uh, I'll say this. Q – and every time I've talked to Q, Q's upbeat. He's a communicator. Yes. Really good guy. So – we can get into all the behind the curtain stuff. Hey, I'm just time, excited to be here, man. I'm just, awesome. I'm just so happy to be here, and thank you to Lotus Broadcasting for allowing me the opportunity. And uh, please believe I won't let you down, and we're going to have a lot of fun. The phone lines are open. Join the conversation on Cofield and Company now by calling 702-364-1100 or tweet us at Cofield and Co.